I do pray that uh, I ask y'all just to continue to pray for me. I know the Lord's really put a, a message in my heart, and um, it's a it's a humbling thing to come before you and, and share the message of the Lord. I, I don't take it lightly by any means, and I'm thankful to the Lord that um, in our weaknesses the Lord is made strong. Amen. And um, as a Christian, as a man of God, I really want to always be humble before the Lord and. Um, and really acknowledge his need, um, my need for him in, in my life. And, um, I just want to pray one more time before uh, I open up with a message from the Lord. I just thank you, Lord, for this morning, God. I thank you, Father, that you're able to speak to us, Lord. I thank you that you are a great God. I thank you that you are a wonderful God. I thank you that you're a good God, that you're a gentle God, that you're long-suffering, Lord. I thank you, God, that you're so patient with me, Lord. I don't deserve any of your mercy. I don't deserve any of your grace. I don't deserve any of, forgiveness, of your forgiveness, Lord. And yet you do it, Lord. And you're long-suffering with me, God. And I thank you for that, Lord. I give you all the glory and all the honor, God, for everything you've done in my life, Lord. What you desire to do in my life. And, and for all of us, Lord, what you desire to do in all of our lives, God. You have plans for our lives, Lord. You have thoughts that are higher than ours. Your desires are better than ours. They're higher than ours, Lord. They're better than anything we can think um, or contemplate for ourselves, Lord. And, and I thank you for that, Lord. I pray that you would take me out of the way this morning, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would move and your Holy Spirit would speak with clarity, Lord. I pray that there would just be clarity in the giving of your word, Lord. And, and we just thank you, Lord. I thank you for the privilege, Lord, to, to share your word, Lord. Thank you, Father. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord had really been stirring a message in my heart for this morning, and um, kind of different scriptures the Lord had given me, and, and He just, I really believe and, and, and hope God's brought it together, and I hope it, it makes sense and it's able to minister to you and, and encourage you in your life and in your walk with the Lord. Uh, but the Lord wanted me to speak this morning about the goodness of God, and the message He gave me about the goodness of God perhaps might be a little bit different than you would contemplate. But I really believe through the scriptures that it contemplates the complete picture of the goodness of God. And, and I don't know if you want that, but I want the goodness of God towards my life. And I want everything the Lord has for me. Even when it may be very difficult, even though when it may be very challenging, I want everything that the Lord has for me. And, and sometimes in that... Um, it's a very sobering thought because I think of the great men and women of God and the trials they had to go through. God was with them through it all, but it, it really um, required those men and women of God to give all themselves to the Lord completely, to, com to completely surrender to the Lord. But I wanted to open up with a scripture, if you guys want to go with me to it, Romans chapter 2. And we're going to read verse 4. And you're, I'm sure most of you are very familiar with this verse. Romans 2, 4 says, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. We've been talking about a lot of repentance in Sunday school and so forth. Guys, the goodness of God leads you to repentance. And I, as, even as a Christian, and, it, and, and certainly as a lost man, I can despise the riches of His goodness. I can despise His forbearance. I can despise His long-suffering. And not 
fully comprehend that the goodness of God is leading me to repentance. The goodness of God is leading me to repentance. And so I want to just talk this morning about what that goodness really means, okay? Um, what does that goodness mean in, in its fullness and in its totality? Okay? Certainly we would know that God's goodness includes His love, it includes His mercy, it includes His forgiveness, it includes His grace, it includes His patience, it includes His long-suffering. And all those things, all those aspects of God, God's goodness are very important to know. We, we talked about them in Sunday school. They're very important to study. They're very important to apply to our lives, that that's the goodness of God. But there's also another aspect of God's goodness, and we're going to go into that this morning. How does His goodness lead me to repentance? Okay, What does that mean? What does that really mean? Because, and, and, and that's a deep question. I don't know that I could... I know I couldn't fully cover it this morning. There's a lot to it. But the Lord really re- has just revealed a lot of things in His Word, and I want to share that with you all this morning. Um, it's a deep question, and it certainly involves the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart of man. Okay? And when you go through Scriptures, that talks about the Holy Spirit searching the heart of man. Okay? God's going to cut straight through to what I need. God's goodness is going to show me the depravity of my heart. His goodness is going to show me the deep sin that still lingers in my heart. Okay? He shows me who I am and the sin that lingers in my heart. He shows me my need for repentance. His goodness keeps me from being comfortable in my sin. He shows the flesh, the carnality, and the worldliness that still remains. He makes me uncomfortable being in this world and loving it. Guys, the goodness of God does that. Amen Amen that God God doesn't keep me comfortable in my sin. You know that's part of His goodness? That He's not going to make me comfortable. He's going to show me things that aren't right in my life. Why? Because God loves me and He wants to mold me into the image of Christ. Amen? Y'all go with me to Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to read verses 5 and 6. As we go through these scriptures, I want you to to keep in mind that there's going to be several words that are going to be repeated. Despise, exhortation. You're going to see a lot of these repeated um, in the scriptures we go through. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 and 6, it says, And ye have forgotten the exhortation. So these Christians have forgotten this. Ye have forgotten the exhortation that speaketh, which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of Him. This is very key. This is talking about the goodness of God. For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom He receiveth. For verily for a few days chastened us after their own Pleasures, talking about our earthly fathers, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Okay? So what is he what is the writer of Hebrews saying there? That there's something that God has to do for us to be profited 
and for us to be partakers of his holiness. What did he just say in the previous verse? He's reminding them, he's reminding them of this exhortation. You've forgotten this exhortation. Don't despise when God is correcting you, when God is chastening you. And he even uses the word scourges, like a good old whooping, okay? Don't despise the things that God is trying to do in your life that may cause offense, that may cause even hurt to you personally. When God's trying to show you that, God's trying to tell you through His Word, don't despise that. Amen? Now, I would just kind of try to make it a little more personal to me and to each one of us. When you've heard perhaps a hard message or a hard word from, from the Lord, it has to be from the Lord. It can't just be from a man. How do I in my heart receive it? Do I despise it? Do I remain offended of it and maybe offended at the person that was delivering it? And I reject that chastening of the Lord? Because guess what? This flesh, Alberto's flesh, is going to get offended when God shows him something that's not right. Amen? And, and I thank you that the Lord does it the way he needs to do it and not the way I think it should be done. That's something that needs to be very important. But I have to be very careful that I don't become angry at God trying to correct me. I don't become offended at God trying to scourge me in a sense because God's trying to do this for my profit. He's trying to make me a partaker of His holiness. He's trying to make me a strong man, a strong woman of God. That's why God's doing it, okay? All right? Um, I want to desire that in my spirit. My flesh never will, but I want to desire that in my spirit. Amen? Um, No one likes bad news, right? Everyone wants, to, everyone wants to hear how great we are and, and, and all those things, right? I think most people, if they were honest, would only really want to hear good news. And I'd include that myself, you know. God's gospel means good news, doesn't it? Amen? Yeah. So there, there is good news. What a joy and peace there is in that. And I love to hear about that, y'all. I love to hear about God's love and His grace and His mercy. And I need to hear about that. But when I'm receiving the Word of God... What is the focus? What is the focus of his word that I'm I'm just focusing on? Is it just that he's loving and he's merciful to me and that's it? Or am I desiring God show me is there something in my heart that's not right? Because what does the word of God say? The word of God says that our heart is deceitful above all things. I don't even know how deceitful it is. But it says that God knows how deceitful my heart is. And so how am I going to know how deceitful my heart is if I'm not allowing God to speak into it? Amen. Does that make sense? I have to I have to God. I have to allow God to do that and to chasten me in that. Amen. It's because of his love, grace and mercy that he needs to show me how much I need his love, grace and mercy. Amen. Amen? Because I can have a very limited understanding of how deep that is because I don't allow God to go deep, deep into my heart of what's wrong. And so to be honest with you, I'm not really going to appreciate the depth of God's love, the depths of His forgiveness, the depths of His, of His mercy, because many times I don't allow that very prying word of God to come into my life. And I need to let God do that. Amen? One of the most important ways that God's going to show me that there's sin in my heart is through the preaching and instruction of His word. It's going to be done through God's prophets. It's going to be 
be done through God's ministers and through preachers. And it's going to be done when you read the Word of God. But I think many times, sometimes when we go to church, and I'm speaking to us, I'm not speaking to anyone outside. This is the most important thing for us. I think a lot of times when we come to church, we have in our mindset, I just want to be encouraged when I go to church. What we would think is encouragement. I just want to hear how much God loves me and how good He is. I don't want to hear about the sin that's in my heart. I don't want to hear about the pride that's in my heart. I don't want to hear about the carnality that's in my heart. Amen? And I'm honest. I I don't want that. My flesh doesn't want it. I do need to hear about God's love and His encouragement. Please don't don't take what I'm saying and say that everything needs to just be hard, 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 and that's just from God. If it's all hard, then, then it's all the Lord. Please do not take away that at all. You understand what I'm saying? But part of the totality of God's goodness is letting letting Him show me the things in my heart that aren't right. Okay, And when I come into church, I want to have a humble heart where I'm able to receive those things. And not not even able to receive those things, but there's a desire in my heart. God, I want your instruction in my life. I want your correction in my life. I I want you to show me the things that I'm doing that I don't even realize aren't pleasing to you. Maybe things I'm listening to, maybe things I'm watching, maybe things I'm, I'm even partaking of, things that entertain me that offend you, Lord. And I don't even realize it because I'm, you know, whatever's wrong with my heart, but God all along, He's trying to do it. And many times I'm rejecting it, I'm laying it off to the side, or, or when it does come, I just get so offended, I don't let God do what He needs to do. Um, Paul was very... Paul was very aware of this. And Paul, this is the same man that spoke about the incredible mercy of God. He spoke about the faith, the role of faith. He spoke about all those things. But Paul was also aware of the need for that instruction. Okay? In the churches. And and if you can go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to read the first part of verse 2. This is the instruction that Paul gives to Timothy. Okay? Paul says to Timothy, preach the word. Be instant, in season and out of season. That means always be ready. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Do you see how keeps this word long-suffering keeps coming through? Long-suffering is trying to say it means something. It means it's not just going to happen one day and am I just... I'm the perfect Christian and, and I'm just the most holy person now. It, it, it is a constant instruction. I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord. You still, I still need instruction from the Lord. Okay, And so Paul is trying to remind Timothy this is very important for the church. Timothy, don't, don't slack back. Be ready all the time in season, out of season. And, and do these three things. Rebuke, I'm sorry, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. He doesn't just say, reprove, reprove, and just rebuke. He says those three things, right? And so I would almost say that's almost a pattern of repentance, of teaching repentance to the church, teaching what it means to be a man of God, teaching the women of God what it means to be a partaker of holiness, that there's rebuke when there needs to be rebuke. There's uh, reproving when there needs to be reproving. And then there's this exhortation to acknowledge that to the Lord and to repent. Amen? God's Word, and and Paul never describes um, his ministry as only one of exhortation, okay? 
I think a lot of times, even in modern Christianity, there's, there's sort of a ministry that's sort of like pigeonholed, okay? So, so I have the ministry of God's love, you know, and so that's what I'm going to focus. Or I have the ministry of God's encouragement, and that's the only thing I'm going to focus on. Or I have the ministry of God's grace, and that's what I'm going to focus on. Or I have the ministry of, of positivity. You even hear that a lot of times on radio station, positive, only positive. And, and what is positive? I don't really know what that means in the way they explain it. But what is God's love? What is His grace? What is His mercy? Okay? Man starts to define what he thinks God's love is. Man starts to define what he thinks God's grace is or God's, uh, the positive things that God wants for our life. Man tries to figure that out with his mind and as, as he or she is ministering to a friend or there's a ministry in, in the church, they start to decipher for themselves what they think the people need to hear. Instead of letting the Holy Spirit move and instruct the way God desires to do that. Because God's going to see something in your heart that I don't see. Right? The Holy Spirit's going to see something in your heart that I don't see. The Holy Spirit is going to see something in my heart that you don't see. And if I'm not hearing from the Lord as a minister of God, because God's made all of us ministers, whether we're preachers or not. God's made me as a minister. I need to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is, first of all, speaking to me. And and second of all, what the Holy Spirit is trying to speak through me to someone else. Because a lot of times we allow our emotions and we allow our intellect to dictate how we share the gospel with someone, how we preach the word of God. And how maybe we may share something with a friend. Sometimes we may be scared, you know what, I think I may offend my friend saying that, so I'm not going to say anything. Okay? And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. You need to know what God is telling you to say. But I cannot allow my mind and I cannot allow my emotions to say, well, I shouldn't say that or I shouldn't point that out. Because if God has shown me that, first of all, God has to show me that. And second of all, I need God to show me how to say that, okay? But I, I believe that that's sort of a, the trap, in a sense, that the, that the enemy has used to bring confusion in the church, to bring confusion in many people's lives, because they think, I don't want to offend, I don't want to hurt, I don't want um, to, for people to feel condemned in, in their understanding of it. Instead of letting the Holy Spirit minister what His Word says, to show that person that there is sin in their heart and God wants to deal with it. But I may be so focused, well, I just want to just tell them how much God loves them and, and that's all I say and there's no instruction and there's no showing this is how I offended God and this is why I need God. How can I know how much I need God if I don't know how much I've offended Him? How can I know how much I need to grow in God if I don't know how much I haven't grown in Him? Amen? Very simple but I myself and many of us become very confused and fall to the trap of thinking, not understanding what condemnation is, not understanding what the law is, not understanding what other things, and then confusing the instruction and the correction God wants to bring as something just negative and hard and, and, and beating people down. Certainly, that can, people can fall trap into that, and ministries can fall into the trap of that. But I, I really believe... In, in ministries and people deciding for themselves what's good for man, that they're robbing people. They're robbing many people of the warnings, of the instructions, and the corrections that God wants to bring into their lives. 
Many, many Christians today are very dissatisfied. They're very discouraged. They're very frustrated. And they wonder, why, why, why? Why can't I overcome this? Why can't I conquer this? And why can't I be strong like so-and-so? And they just feel, well, you know, I, I just maybe I, I just haven't let God do what He needs to do and let Him love me. Instead of saying, is there something in my heart that's not right? Is there an idol in my life that I hold on to and I don't want to let go of? Is there a sin in my life that I love? I love watching that show. I don't care how much it offends God. I love it and I still want to see it. But when I hear a message about that, my heart comes and deceives me and says, well, I don't want to be legalistic about what I can't and cannot watch. And so I'm not going to allow that to, to affect me. When all along, God was trying to use that to bring freedom into your life. That is positive, right? God wants to bring freedom. He wants to bring growth. He wants to bring joy in your life. He wants to bring a peace that this world cannot understand. And if God wants to do that, for Him to be able to do that, He's got to show me things in my life He wants out so He can do that. And guys, that is the most positive thing. That is the most good thing I could have and I could give someone else. Amen? But man in his understanding says, no, 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 we don't want to be negative. And all along, they're actually robbing people of God's goodness and the positive things that God wants in their life. Amen. One of the ways, and, and, and the enemy's behind this, he, he tries us to, for us to use our intellect and our emotions. And, and he often even uses the Word of God. Okay? He doesn't use the Word of God in the completion, in its completion. And I want us to take a look at an example of this, okay? If y'all can go with me to Luke chapter 4. And I know this is a little bit long, but I, I really feel it's important for us to read through it. It says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This is right after Jesus was baptized. Okay? And amen that Jesus is the best example of how to handle the Word of God. Amen? And how to handle... And confront the enemy with those situations. It says, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. Christ, the way he lived his life on this earth, y'all, was as a pattern for us to follow. Okay? The best Christian that ever walked this earth was Christ himself. Amen? Amen? And Christ even went through the example of him being baptized. And the Holy Spirit being on him and him being filled with the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus would walk on this earth, ministering the gospel, there was something that God had to do through him. And it was him going through that 40 days. of It doesn't mean that each one of us have to go through 40 days of fasting. Please understand me. But there, there's certainly instruction in that. And, and Jesus does not eat any food. Okay. For 40 days and 40 nights. And so in this physical body, Jesus is, is suffering. He's hungry. There's a hunger for food, okay? And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Okay? I mean, if you're really hungry, why don't you ask God to turn this stuff into food, right? That seems like a very reasonable thing to do, is it not? Yeah? Look at the way Jesus answered. And Jesus answered saying, saying to him, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, 
but by every word of God. And so what is Jesus saying in this situation? Even though physically it makes sense to eat something, there's something deeper, there's something more spiritual there. I need to hear everything that God wants to speak to me, every word of God, okay? Every word of God. I'm not just going to eat bread and satisfy my physical needs. There's something deeper than that. I need to, I need to receive and I need to uh, eat, in a sense, the word of God. And the devil talk, taking him into a high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power I will give thee, and the glory of them, for that it is delivered unto me, and to whomever I will give it. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. Okay? And so in a sense, the devil's tempting Jesus, and this is done as an example to us, because these are temptations we have as men of flesh. We hunger. Okay, that was the first one. This is the second one. There's a, the authority that, that Satan wants to be able to, to present, that, that here's the authority that you can have that's rightfully yours. Jesus, this is the way Jesus answers to him. He says, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And so what is Jesus saying? It's not about me even as a son of God. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not what about I want to do on this earth. It's not about how I feel. It's not about what I think is important for me. I, as a child of God, worship the Lord in what He wants for me. Amen? And He's my supreme authority. Okay? We're going to go to the last one. It says, And He brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the son of God, Cast thyself down from hence. For it is written, and this is the devil using scripture. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands shall, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Okay? So the devil's even using scripture out of context to tell Jesus, hey, why don't you do this and God's going to protect you? Why don't you enter this dangerous place? And God can just come and protect you. And, and what does Jesus say? Jesus answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. So what does Jesus' response teach us in, in this? Now, first of all, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to know the Word of God well. I need to especially know the Word of God when I'm going to enter great temptations that appeal to emotions, that appeal to this flesh, to the appeal to things that, that are in my heart. I need to know the Word of God really well and what God really is wanting for my life, what God is really wanting in this situation. Amen? The lies of the devil are going to cause us to question the totality of what God said. Let me say that again. The lie of the devil is going to cause us to question the totality of what God said. Okay? And one of the examples, we won't go into it because of, for the sake of time, but one of the earliest examples you see this is in the Garden of Eden. What does the devil do? He says, did God really say that? You know? And then, you know, God, God kind of, you're kind of missing out on some things. Okay, and, and 
you know, you don't want to miss out on, on good things, right? And so there was that, that you see that message in a sense repeated over and over and over again in different ways, in different, in different manners. You know, did God really say that? Is that really what God said? Okay. Did God say this? Okay. And then so you start to say, well, yeah, he did say that, you know? And so confusion comes in. And then, and then this is sort of the deceit and the confusion that comes the devil, especially when it comes to correction and repentance. You see um, a lot of thoughts and a lot of phrases being said that religious people are telling you to fast. Fasting, brokenness, submission, you know, that's, that's religious. That's pharisaical. You don't, you don't want pharisaical people telling you to do those things. Religion is trying to keep the good things from you. You deserve something good. You deserve to take it easy and for things not to be as hard as they're trying to make it to be, okay? And so you see that played out practically in the temptation of Jesus, right? Jesus submitted himself. Jesus was broken, right? And, and a lot of times, the focus is not that as Christians or in Christianity today, okay? Thinking of all that, all in your mind, the Lord has given me this example. And before we get to that example, I, I want to read one more scripture, but um, it's in James 1. I mean, let me just paraphrase it. It's a very, uh, and I think actually Chris mentioned it in, in Sunday school this morning, but James chapter 1, verses 23 through 25, it talks about the Word of God being a mirror and showing us. And so a lot of times we see, and this is what we're going to talk about in this passage, a lot of times we may see that there's something wrong, and we go to the Word of God and we see there's something wrong, but we don't do anything about it. So we'll even say, I want the Word of God, I want the correction of God, but we don't really let God do that in our life, okay? We agree that it's good, but we don't really react to what God says. Um, so that's James chapter 1, verses 23 to 25, if you want to read it later on. But uh, let's go to, to 2 Chronicles chapter 18. And as you're turning there, I just kind of introduce what this passage is about. So I don't know if any of you guys remember King Ahab. Perhaps you study him in, in Sunday school or heard, heard about him before. But King Ahab was the king of Israel. He's one of the kings of Israel. Um, he was a man that was very selfish. He was very covetous. A lot of his reign had to do with the way he felt. You see, during his reign, he wanted a vineyard that was right next to his house, and, and the man didn't let him have it, and he just patted like a baby in his house and cried because he didn't get it. And so his wife goes and, and has that man killed, falsely accused, so he could have that, that vineyard. And so you see in the pattern of Ahab's life, a very selfish life, a very self-centered life. It's all about the way he feels, the things that he wants, okay? And God, in his goodness, brings prophets to warn Ahab, okay? And we're going to see this played out. I want y'all, as we're reading this, I don't want you, and, and we fall, I fall trapped to this. A lot of times we see, oh, that bad King Ahab, I would never do that, I'm not like that. I would never do any of those things. And so a lot of times we read those things and we see how bad these people are, and we never really let the Word of God show. We may not be King Ahab, but perhaps we have traits in our life that reflect King Ahab. And do we really let God deal with those things? Do we really let God correct us in those aspects and those, those traits that we see in these people and we see here in King Ahab? So um, Ahab would tell, he told Elijah that he troubled Israel. He said, Elijah, you trouble Israel. Let me tell you all something. Prophecy 
The word of God is going to trouble a heart that's not right with him. It just will. And that's part of his goodness. Amen. It's going to trouble you. God's word, truly spoken, is going to trouble your heart. It's going to convict you. Okay. And we're going to and I want you to see the context of this passage, too, because this isn't just this only incident. There are many times where God was trying to speak through to Ahab. You see it with the prophets that at the sacrifice that Elijah, you guys remember with Elijah, the sacrifice where all these prophets of Baal, you know, try to have this fire started. They couldn't get the fire started. And then God comes and he just consumes. There are many, many instances where Ahab saw the glory of God, the correction of God, the instruction of God. And Ahab continued rejecting it, rejecting it, rejecting it. That even before this passage, there's a, a point where. Um, there's a prophet that comes and tells Ahab, just for the second time, we won't, won't look at it, but essentially the prophet goes and tells, uh, there's a revelation to Ahab that there's destruction that's about to come. And Ahab, for a moment, actually humbles himself. And he humbles himself before God, and God doesn't destroy, allow him to be destroyed at that moment. Okay, But here is another instance of God trying to show him something. Okay, And even allowing Ahab to fall into something so he, so God could show him something, all right? And it's sad because we're going to see at the, at the end of this message, at the end of this passage, that one of the last things that's mentioned of Ahab is that he's angry at God's word. And he subsequently is destroyed. It's, it's very tragic. It's very sad. But let's go to uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 18, and we're going to uh, try to get through this, this quickly. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now Jehoshaphat... This is the king of Judah. He, he was actually a godly king. Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor and abundance and joined affinity with Ahab. And after certain years, he went down to Ahab to Samaria. And Ahab killed sheep and oxen for him in abundance and for the people that he had with him and persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth Gilead. And so here you see a, a, a joining and a unity of a man of God with a man that's not following God. And you see the man of God falling, falling into, in a sense, a, a carnality because he's joining himself with something that's with, with a movement that is not of God, okay? And he comes even in all the blessings that God's given him. It says he's got riches and honor, okay? And Ahab receives him as a king. He kills all these sheep. You know, it says oxen for him in abundance and, 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 and all of all of even all of uh, King Jehoshaphat's people. He he gives them all this food and it says he persuades him to go up with them to Ramoth Gilead. King Ahab had said in his heart, I'm going to go to this city called Ramoth Gilead. And I'm, he was the king. Syria controlled it. And he says, I'm going to go and I'm going to destroy that Ramoth Gilead and I'm going to conquer it for my kingdom. OK. So this is almost a sense in a picture of Ahab having this very selfish desire that he wanted something and he was going to do everything he could to get it. Okay, even including this man of God to come help him get it. Okay, and I want you all to to be very aware of the way Jehoshaphat is responding and the things that he's doing, because I I believe what Jehoshaphat uh, does is is a lot of the the mistakes that we as a church, as Christians, can make, okay? Ahab, the king of Israel, said unto Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Wilt thou go with me to Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat answers him, I am as thou art, as thou art, and my people as thy people, 
and we will be with thee in the war. Okay? Jehoshaphat has just vocally already committed himself to go to war with them. He says, we're one, there's unity, we're all going to go with you. We're going to go get them. We're going to go get Ramoth Gilead, okay? So he's already agreed to it. He didn't say, let's seek the Lord to see if this is his will, okay? What's happened? He's eating, he's happy, everyone's happy, we're friends, because these were bitter enemies before. We're friends, everything's fine. In, in, but there isn't in Jehoshaphat the full power of God in trying to bring full instruction to Ahab, okay? And we're going to see this. Verse 4, And Jehoshaphat said unto the king of Israel, Inquire, so after he's already committed, Inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. So he's, um, Jehoshaphat's almost being a good Christian in a sense. Like, okay, let's do this, but, but let's also hear what God has to say. Therefore the king of Israel gathered together of prophets four hundred men and said unto them, Shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up, for God will deliver it into the king's hand. All right. I want you to put yourselves in, in the position of a prophet before the king. Here is the ruler of, your king, of the kingdom that you're in. You're a citizen. You're a subject. And he's asking you. He's made it very clear, extremely clear, that he wants to go to Ramoth Gilead. Okay? And so what do the prophets do? They kind of tell him what he wants to hear, right? They said, yeah, yeah, that God's with you. Go, go, you know, go ahead. God's going to be with you. Jehoshaphat's a man of God, and he's like, uh, there's something fishy, okay? So what does he say? But Jehoshaphat said, is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we might inquire of him? So Jehoshaphat notices, the Spirit of God in him notices, I don't sense this is the word of God. He didn't say what they're saying is wrong, okay? But he says, you know, there's something not right. And I believe each one of us as Christians, if you're born again, there's always going to be something unsettled in your heart where something just doesn't feel right. There's an unsettling, okay? And that comes from the Holy Spirit. And that's something, even though it's slight, okay, pray about it. If you feel unsettled about something, pray about it and ask God about it. Amen? Amen? And the king of Israel, of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. For he never prophesied good unto me, but always evil. The same is Micaiah, the son of Imlah. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. And so what is, what is King Ahab's attitude towards the man of God? What does he say? He just thinks I'm a, a horrible person. The only thing he does is just speak evil of me. Um, you know, I don't want to hear negativity. Right? You see this played out very, very graphically here. Okay? He says, I hate him. It became something very personal for Ahab. Instead of letting God speak to him, King Ahab made it very personal. And he allowed his heart feelings to dictate everything. Okay, and he says, I don't want, you know, he even recognizes this is a man of God. I know that this is a man of God, but I don't like him because you know what? He's always speaking. He's always speaking bad stuff about me. He's, he never says anything good. And so Jehoshaphat just says, you know, don't say that. Okay. I want to stop here. I think a lot of us would say, oh, boy, King Ahab, that guy's such a bad guy. You know, I can't believe he did that. He don't want to hear the word of God. 
Guys, many times, Alberto Dupuy, I will have this same attitude towards the correction from the Lord. Okay? There's that flesh that almost rises up that I don't want to hear that bad. I just want to hear something good. Okay? And, and you, know, you know, a lot of us would say, yes, you know, give us, give us the reproof and rebuke, but let's not focus on that. We just need encouragement. We just need exhortation. Okay? What did Hebrews chapter 12 say about exhortation? Didn't he say, do not forget this exhortation that God chastens those he loves? Y'all, that is an exhortation in itself, is it not? Okay, the word of God makes it very clear. What does God have to say? What does he say that I need? What is his, his, his word saying that I'm lacking? Okay. And that he needs, because God's going to know what I need more than anything. He's going to know whether I need encouragement or he's going to know whether I need correction. It's not about what I think I need. Amen? Because we would never say we don't want the correction from the Lord, but many times we put the Holy Spirit aside. When the Holy Spirit is trying to deal with us about things, we kind of set it aside. And we try to justify with, you know, even how the devil did, using God's word and saying, well, you know, I just need to... I just need God to love me, and, and that's what's going to make me want to repent, you know. Well, all along, God's trying to show you that there's something wrong so that you can repent, amen? And even show me that the reason perhaps I'm not repenting is because I'm loving that sin so much. I love it more than Him many times, okay? Y'all, so important, so important for you as a Christian to discern that. Holy Spirit, is this you speaking to me and I'm laying it aside and I'm confusing the Word of God and not taking the Word of God in its totality? Because we've just seen what Hebrews 12 said, right? We've just seen what Paul tells Timothy in, 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 in that passage, right? So we've seen that there's the need for rebuke. There's a need for correction, right? That's what the Word of God says. Let's keep going. Verse 8. And the king of Israel called for one of his officers and said, Fetch quickly Micaiah the son of Imlah. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, sat either of them on his throne, clothed in their robes, and they sat in a void place at the entering of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets prophesied before them. And Zedekiah the, Zedekiah, the son of Chenada, or Chenana, had made him horns of iron and said, Thus saith the Lord, With these thou shalt push Syria until they be consumed. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth-Gilead and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. Okay, let me stop there. There's a lot of uh, illustrations in here. So so you look at at the passage where it says, the verse where it says that, that both of them sat on their thrones and in their robes outside the gate. That's very much a picture of man and his opinion about himself. Man in his stature that he thinks he has, and man in the authority that he thinks he has, okay? And so, they're in a sense receiving what the prophets are saying almost as an ego trip. Here they are in all their majesty and their robes and their thrones. It's there's, there's very clear there's an authority with them. And so, and, and then even the prophets try to sound real spiritual, right? They're getting the horns in there, and boy, that's a spiritual picture. I'm going to get those horns, and I'm going to... We're going to kill those people. I'm trying to be almost humorous about it. But you see, you see how the devil brings confusion? And he always sort of gives, a, gives an appearance 
that let's be positive all the time. And, and this, this is what positivity is. And this is what goodness is. You know, God wants you to prosper, King Ahab. God wants you to go get that Ramoth Gilead. And, and this is how he's going to do it. Okay. And it's almost absurd. And the messenger says in verse 12, and the messenger that went to call Micaiah spake to him, saying, behold, the words of the prophets, not the words of God. Behold, the words of the prophets declare good to the king with one assent. So there's a unity in their message. Let thy word, therefore, I pray thee, be like one of theirs. And listen to this and speak thou good. This is man defining God's goodness. You see it right here, black and white in Scripture. Toe the line. This is what's good. This is, this is what we're saying is good. This is what these prophets of God is saying good. Okay? And so the messenger is telling the man of God, hey, you need to say what's good. Okay? Y'all, I don't want what men think is good. I want what the Lord says is good for me. I want what God wants beneficially for me amen and for all of us okay and and um there's a pressure sometimes to to you know and you start questioning yourself am i being just a bad person am i being a negative person amen and 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 we shouldn't if that that is in your heart it shouldn't be in your heart but let's go back to the word of god and what does the word of god say amen verse 13 and Micaiah said, As the Lord liveth, even what my God saith, that will I speak. And when he was come to the king, the king said unto him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And he said, Go you up and prosper, and they shall be delivered into your hand. Why does Micaiah say this? I would say it's almost, I want to say sarcastic, but Micaiah is almost telling the king, I'm going to tell you what you want to hear. This is what you want me to say? Do you really want what God wants to say? Or do you, do you want to just hear what you want to hear? Okay? And I think a lot of times as Christians, we just want the men of God to tell us what we want to hear. Instead of what God really wants us to hear. I mean, let us not be that way. Lord, forgive us. Forgive me. And then he said, and the king said unto him, How many times shall I adjure thee that thou say nothing but the truth to me in the name of the Lord? I think even even Christians recognize there's something that's not right. And he's almost he's being finally honest. Okay, you know what? Tell me what the Lord really said. There's a spiritual authority to Micaiah that the king recognizes. Amen. If we're going to speak on behalf of God, we better have the authority of God in our lives. Okay? That's very important because if we have our own, it's it's going to be completely worthless. And then, and then so here, here we're about to hear exactly what happened. Okay, he said, I did see all Israel scattered upon the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let them return, therefore, every man to his house. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell thee that he would not prophesy good unto me, but evil? Okay. So he's almost even saying, he's even recognizing that it's the word of God. He recognizes that it's the word of God. But what does he say? You know what? It's never good. It's just always negative. It's just always. Didn't I say he was going to say that? I, I just knew that's what he was going to say. Okay. Uh, what, a, what, a, what an attitude, y'all. Lord, forgive me for having that attitude so many times um, when God's trying to deal with me about things. There's something very important 
that Micaiah just said, and this is something the Lord said. Where does he say that God says? The Lord said, they have no master, they have no shepherd, let them return to his house in peace. What does that mean? I believe the Holy Spirit gave me a revelation of what this means. It's a picture of the people of God not having a shepherd and not having a master. And who is our shepherd? Who is our master? Christ, right? But what happens? A lot of times, I'll take the leadership of a shepherd, the leadership of Christ, set it aside. I'll take the lordship of God and set it aside. And I'm going to be scattered like a sheep out there without God's protection, without God's leadership. And so what happens when I do that? What happens when I fail to submit to the Lord? What happens when I don't let the Lord lead me the way He does? I'm going to find myself in a very vulnerable place. And so you're saying you're charging forward, right? We as Christians charge forward. So these, these people, almost a picture of Christians charging forward when they haven't really let the Lord shepherd them and they haven't let the Lord be the master of their life because it's all about me. It's all about what they want, okay? And that's what's driving what they're doing. It's about their own personal desires. And that should never be what drives us as Christians. It's always, where is this shepherd leading me? Okay? Where is my master having me to go? Amen? And so he says in verse 18, And he said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting upon his throne. Okay? Stop right there. The Lord is sitting on his throne. It doesn't matter what, King Ahab, what throne King Ahab is sitting on. It doesn't matter what throne King Jehoshaphat is sitting on. The Lord is on His throne. Okay, And all the hosts of heaven standing on His right hand and on His left. And the Lord said, Who shall entice Ahab king of Israel that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one spake saying after this manner and another saying after that manner. Then there came out a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said unto him, Wherewith? And he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, that shall entice him, and that shall also prevail. Go out and do even so. Now therefore the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of these prophets, and the Lord hath spoken evil against thee. I think a lot of people take this passage, and there's a lot of confusion, and they feel that somehow God is, is planning just evil against Ahab, okay? I would say this. God is allowing Ahab to fall into his temptation because he's drawing out of Ahab something that's in his heart. When God allows you, what does the scripture talk about? Temptations, okay, that's it, that's it on us. They're going to, temptations in themselves are not sin, but it's going to draw out of your heart what's in there. And so God allows us to go through those temptations because he's drawing out what's in our heart. And so what was God trying to draw out in Ahab? He had this this ambitious desire to do this thing that he wanted to do. And he was even going to allow him to be surrounding himself with men that, that told him what he wanted to hear. A lot of times we as Christians can do that. We can, we can surround our teaching, our ministry with things that make us feel good. Make us feel good about ourselves. Make us, you know, everything's just honky-dory. Instead of letting the full counsel of God come and correct me the way I need to be corrected. Instruct me the way I need to be instructed, okay? Because that's for my benefit. That's what the Lord wants. But a lot of times we lay aside the Holy Spirit. We lay aside the men of God. We lay aside that instruction. And we just want to surrender ourselves with yes men, in a sense. Um, 
yes to everything that I want for myself instead of what does the Lord want? Y'all, this Christian life is not about what I want. It's not about even about the way I feel all the time. It's about what the Lord wants. It's about what the Lord is leading me to do. It's about me submitting myself unto Him. Okay? Verse 23. Then Zedekiah the son of Chenah came near and smote Micaiah unto the cheek and said, Which way went the Spirit of the Lord from me to speak unto thee? And Micaiah said, Behold, thou shalt see on that day when thou shalt go into an inner chamber to hide thyself. Then the king of Israel said, Taking Micaiah and carry him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash the king's son, and say, Thus saith the king, Put this fellow in the prison and feed him with the bread of affliction and with the water of affliction until I return in peace. And Micaiah said, If thou certainly return in peace, then hath not the Lord spoken by me. And he said, Hearken, all ye people. This is a very, very... um, almost disturbing uh, verse because you see a lot of times this spirit come out even in us, our attitude, our fleshly attitude towards the correction of God is that we want to, to get it out as far away from us as we can. So what did, what did King Ahab do? He said he was pricked his heart. Obviously he was. And it, it offended him enough for him to go put this man in prison. Okay? And a lot of times we as Christians in our flesh, we can allow this. The, the correction in, in the word of God that is, is dealing with me, a lot of times I want to put them away. Put them away in that prison. Okay? Put them away. Give them that bread of affliction. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear that. And there's almost a visceral, personal reaction to it when it shouldn't be. You even see this with Zedekiah. Um, he comes and he strikes him on the cheek. He, there's a violence almost towards it. That flesh violently almost wants to attack what the Spirit is trying to say. Guys, we can never make the Word of God, in a sense, a personal thing and an emotional thing and a, and a, um, a visceral thing, okay? And even when you, perhaps as a Christian, are, are treated this way, your reaction should not be revenge. It should not be... Because what did Jesus say? They hated me, they're going to be hating you. They're hating that Spirit, that flesh... Even as Christians hate that. Our flesh hates that. Okay, the Spirit of God does, and the Spirit of God loves that. But God gives us the ability to make decisions. And, and, and remember how Paul talks in, in Romans, Romans or 1 Corinthians, about walking in the Spirit versus walking in the flesh. Yeah, we, we can walk in this flesh. In all its ugly pride, in all its ugly reaction, in all its ugly revenge and vengeance and all these things, a man of God has the Lord defending him. Okay? You don't have to worry about all what's being said about you, the way even when you deliver a word from God and perhaps how you've been treated. Do not take it personally. Do not make it personal. Okay? God defends his people and God defends his word. If it's a word from God, God's going to defend what he says. Amen? And, and, and that's almost what Amaziah, I mean, Micaiah is saying there. He corrects the prophet and tells him, this is actually what's going to happen to you. He doesn't hit him back. He gives him the word of God. He doesn't hit him back physically, that flesh hitting back. He speaks the word of God, and then he's even trying to warn the people. He, he says at the end that he hearkened. He was like trying to warn all of them, please listen, please listen, okay? And what happens, y'all? What, what happens? You would think Jehoshaphat, where, where's Jehoshaphat? What, what's he doing? Did he stop the prophet from, from you know 
Zechariah from, from hitting Micaiah? Did he stop that? He had the authority to do that. He didn't. Did he say, King Ahab, okay, we need to stop. We don't need to go. Did he, did he do that? Did he say, you know what? God's trying to show us something. God's trying to warn us about something. God's trying to keep us from harm. Did he say any of that? No, what, what happens? It says, so the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and I will go to battle. But put thou on thy robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and they went to battle. You know, when we reject the word of God and the discernment of God, we are going to lose the discernment of God. Let me repeat that. When we reject the correction of God, the guidance of God, we will lose the discernment from God. And for a moment here, we see Jehoshaphat losing his discernment. Okay, King Ahab's almost telling him, hey, I'm going to make myself disguise myself. And hey, why don't you go in your robes? And, and you know, that, that's a battle strategy there, whatever strategy that was. Okay, perhaps he thought maybe King, the, the king of Syria would... Would, would get confused because he recognized Ahab. I don't know. I don't know all the reasons why. I know there's, Ahab probably didn't have the best of intentions. But there was no wisdom in Jehoshaphat in, in how he handled the whole situation. And I would say it's almost a picture, the same picture of him being on his robes and in that throne. It's almost like he's going in his own pride and opinion in his robes, and he's going, yeah, we're going to go to battle. And y'all, sometimes God allows us to go in that path to show us the foolishness of how I think in, in my opinion of myself, okay? In, in God withholding discernment and in, in, in letting me walk into that because he's wanting to show, some, show me something, okay? And so what happens? Verse 30, Now the king of, of Syria had commanded the captains of the chariots that were with him, saying, Fight ye not with small or great, save only with the king of Israel. And it came to pass when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat that they said, It is the king of Israel. Therefore they compassed about him to fight. But Jehoshaphat cried out, and the Lord helped him. And God moved them to depart from him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you hear us when we cry out. Thank you that you hear us when we humble ourselves. Thank you, Lord, that when we're in a horrible situation and we're about to be destroyed, we can call out to you and you're there. And what did it say? God, it says, it makes it very personal. God moved them to depart from him. The incredible mercy of God. The incredible long-suffering of God in our lives. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for that. Okay? He didn't let Jehoshaphat just fall into that. He, when Jehoshaphat cried out to him, God came and saved him. Now we're going to contrast this with, uh, with Ahab. Verse 32, For it came to pass that when the captains of the chariots perceived that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back again from pursuing him. And a certain man drew a bow at a venture and smote the king of Israel between the joints of the harness. Therefore he said to his chariot, Man, turn aside, turn thine hand, that thou mayest carry me out of the host, for I am wounded. And the battle increased that day, and howbeit the king of Israel stayed himself up in his chariot against the Syrians until the evening. And about that time, the sun going down, he died. Ahab never called out to the Lord. He had every opportunity. God had tried warning him and 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 warning him. And this last situation, God tried warning him again, even telling him what he wanted to hear, and then bringing his word. Okay? 
He, Ahab received what he thought was good, did he not? He certainly did. Those prophets told him what he thought was good. And then he actually received what he, what, what he called evil. He was actually receiving the good from God. Was he not? Right? And so, guys, that is the goodness of God. Even what we perceive as negative, as, as bad, as, as, oh, you know, all these things. God is trying to correct us. He's trying to instruct us for our benefit. That is part of His goodness, y'all. That is part of His love. That is part of His grace and His mercy. Is that He's trying to show us that there's something wrong. He's trying to show us there's something wrong. And many times we just keep rejecting it. We keep rejecting it. And, and we allow the devil to deceive us to think, well, that's bad. That's bad. That's negativity. And, and all along, God is trying to minister to us. He's trying to equip us, y'all. We can't reject that. We have to realize that's the goodness of God. And I'll, say, I'll tell you this. The devil is trying to deceive you into not realizing what is the goodness of God. Okay? Stand on the Word of God. Live by the Word of God every day. And, and I'm coming to close. I want to just share a couple of scriptures in closing. I pray this is ministered to y'all, Lord. I, Lord, I pray that it has. I, I pray that um, it's caused you maybe to reflect on things in your life. I know it's caused me to reflect on issues in my life in 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 the correction and the instruction God wants to bring to me. But I'm just going to read some scriptures and y'all can write them down just for the sake of time and we can go through them. But Philippians 3, verses 14 and 15 says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. So we have to have that mind mindset. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. So what's that scripture saying? That if you don't have that mindset, God in His goodness is going to show you you're not having that mindset. Okay? 1 Corinthians 14.24 says, But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, and this is Paul contrasting speaking in tongues versus prophecy. We just saw prophets speak in this passage. But if all prophesy and there come in one that believeth not or one unlearned. So someone that's not a Christian or someone that's not a learned Christian. He is convinced of all and he is judged of all. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. Y'all bear with me. I know we've been going long. What is that passage saying? That prophecy has a role in revealing things in our heart that aren't right. Okay? Because Paul was trying to exhort that church, don't focus so much on speaking in tongues, focus on prophecy, the word of God being spoken. And when you're allowing that to happen, there's going to be a, a conviction for people that aren't saved, and there's going to be people that aren't right with God. There's going to be a conviction in their heart. And it's, this is a reaction. They'll fall on their face and worship God. And report of God that there is a truth in you. That that is, that is truth. Right? Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing of asunder of soul and spirit. And of the joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Y'all, the word of God cuts straight through. More than anything I can try to say or do or emotions or, you know, all these things. The Word of God is going to cut through everything, okay? And I know you some, there's some big words used there. But essentially it's saying when it says a, a dividing asunder of the soul and spirit, it's saying it, it's cutting through the completion of that person. 
And when it talks about the joints and marrow, that's talking about the deepest part of our nature. Okay? God just goes straight through. And then the thoughts and the tense of the heart. I could be saying all these things, make myself look really great in front of you, but God knows the intents of my heart. He knows what's in my heart more than I do. And I want Him to show me that. There's something wrong. No matter what you may think, I'm just a, oh, whatever. You know, I want God to show me what's, what may be wrong in my heart. Amen? Romans 8.21 says, And he that searches the heart knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit searches our hearts. And He knows the mind of the Spirit. He knows the mind of God. Okay, And He's trying to show us things. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. James 4.8 says, Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. What is that saying? There's a role in me presenting myself to the Lord. There's a role in me drawing myself to God. There's a role in me coming to Him and saying, God, I want You to show me things in my life that may not be right. Okay? And it says if we, knew, if we do that, He will draw nigh to us. Let me finish with this last passage. It's a little long, but I really, really, really feel it's important for us to read through it. And just bear with me, and we're going to finish with this. It's in Titus chapter 2. Y'all can turn to it. I believe this passage is a wonderful, wonderful exhortation for us as a church, okay? Because this exhortation of Paul to Titus, he's covering every single age group in the church. And he's saying the older people, the young people, the young men, the young women, instruct them in this, instruct them in this, okay? Titus chapter 2, it says, But speak thou the things that become sound doctrine. So, Paul is qualifying everything he's about to say as sound doctrine. Okay, that this is something sound. He says, That the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. Okay? Instruct the older men, this is the way they should be. The aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becomes holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Do you see how Paul is given instruction? Do you see how Paul is given showing him what it means to rebuke and to instruct? Okay, it's very clear here. I'm sure these people would not like to hear that they're not being holy and they're not being chaste, right? I know I wouldn't like to hear that, that that's lacking in my life. But Paul is, Paul is instructing Titus, you need to show them that this is part of sound doctrine, okay? Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, and doctrine showing uncorruptness and gravity. Gravity means the strictest regard for integrity. Sincerity. Um, sound speech that cannot be condemned. That he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their, ma- their own masters, and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not perlo- purloining, and I had to look up what purloining means. It means stealing regardless of value. So even the little things, all stealing a pin from Mark isn't a big deal, okay? But showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of 
of God our Savior in all things. And listen to this. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That is the goodness of God. The grace of God is teaching me very practically things, things I shouldn't do and things I should do. Okay? Some elements of modern Christianity call this legalism and pharisaical and we're trying to help God and, and we're trying to help God along and, and we just want to know how we can help God. Y'all, that is not the truth. That is part of instruction. That is part of learning what it means to be a Christian. Certainly, I have to understand God has to do that in me. I can't do that. If I can save myself, who do I think I am that I can live these things out to the Lord? But what does this mean? It's, it's very specifically showing a mirror to Alberto, to each one of us, this is lacking in your life. This is lacking in your life. This is not right in your life. This is not right in your life. This is not right in your life. And guys, we've just gone through this whole message. We need that. That's part of God's goodness because God wants us to be strong men, strong women of God, where, where the world can see what is that peace that is in you? How can you live that way? What, there's something very peculiar about you, okay? That's the Word of God because He's showing me. It's almost, it's a, almost a funny picture. It's like I'm, I'm looking at the Word of God. It's showing me, you know, I've used this example before. My hair's messed up. My, I got stuff in my teeth. You know, and, and if I look at it and I see there's something wrong, am I brushing my teeth and I combing my hair? That's almost a spiritual picture. But a lot of times we just see it and we just run out the door and we walk this world looking like many like that. But a spiritual man is going to see that, yes, I need to comb my hair, I need to brush my teeth, all those things. And then when I go out into this world, the world sees something very different in me. They see a very honest employee. They see a very virtuous woman. They see a very obedient son. They see a very chaste teenager. They see a very um, learned young man, a very mature young man, okay? Those are the things that the world's going to see. And if, and if I'm not allowing God's instruction to show me that that's lacking in my life, very practical instruction, preaching, teaching, prophesying, if I'm not allowing that to happen, I'm being robbed of what God wants from me. I'm, I'm being robbed of God's goodness. Okay? And listen to this, the, the very last thing that Paul tells Titus. Looking for that blessed hope. Y'all, we're looking for that rapture. Let us be ready. And the glorious appearing of the great God in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people. A peculiar people. Jenna and, and Chris had shared this last night with the youth. A peculiar people, zealous of good works. Okay? He just went through that whole instruction. Okay? And then he's showing the church, he's, he's showing Titus why that's important. A peculiar people, zealous of good works. When I'm shown that I'm not having those good works, when I'm shown that and instructed that, it's going to cause me to desire that more. Does that make sense? Do you see how the goodness of God is played out very practically? And we can just put away all that confusion? We can put away all that thing about trying to help God and all those kind of things? Do you see how it's clear? Amen? 
Verse 15, these things speak, say them, say them, don't hold them back. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no man despise thee. What is that? I believe there's a lot of a lot of meaning in that. Do not let them despise you. But I think part of that is don't let the way they react to you cause you to be offended personally. Okay. Don't let people's reaction to you cause you to be offended personally. Because God is trying to do a work in them and let God do that in them. Be faithful to what he's telling you to do, but don't let someone's reaction to you cause you to take it personally. And then you, you know, retaliate or any of those things. And uh, Jeff could just stand up. I, I just, I know we, we went long this morning. I pray um, the Lord gave me those scriptures. I feel they were important. But if y'all would just stand up and really let this really be the request from the Lord. Uh, or to the Lord, that you'd really desire all of His goodness, that you would really desire everything He has for your life. And, and I pray that the Lord would equip us as a church, the young men, the teenagers, the older men, the married women, the older women, that you would help the younger women, the older men, that you would help the younger men, okay? That you would help them to equip them, to disciple them. Young people, that you would desire to grow in the Lord, that you would desire for God to instruct you about things, Okay? And we, y'all, we need the Lord. We need Him to do this in us. We need Him to help us. I need Him to help me. I need, I need the Lord to help me to not be offended in my flesh. Okay? I need the Lord to stir His Spirit in me and to desire these things and, and, and to know His Word. And Lord, I just pray this morning, Father, I know many of us perhaps are tired. God, I pray, Father, that this Word would just be quickened in our lives. Lord, I pray that we would desire everything that You have for us, Jesus. I pray... That you would forgive us even, even this, mer- this morning. Perhaps we have rejected you over and over and over and over again. And in your love, God, you've come over and over again. And you've tried to speak to us. Lord, I pray this morning that we would have soft hearts. I pray, God, if there's bitterness in our hearts as well, perhaps against those that we feel have despised us. Lord, I pray that you would heal that bitterness. I pray that we, you would help us to forgive, Lord. Help us to be faithful to your word, Lord. I pray equip us as men and women of God to know your word, Lord. God, when the devil comes and even tries to twist your word, Lord, that we're grounded in your word, we're full of your Holy Spirit, that we can rightly divide the word of God. God, I pray that we would be strong men, strong women of God. Lord, I pray we wouldn't be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. I pray, God, that we would not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we would not be ashamed to proclaim your word, Father. And I pray, help us to walk in it, Lord. Help us to be spiritual people, Lord. Help me to walk in the Spirit, Lord. Help me not to walk in this flesh, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, we need you this morning. Help us to surrender all, Lord.